0: We have a Rookie of the Year contest that affects the Guardians in a multitude of ways. We have rosters getting ready to get locked in. And we also have the AFL coming to an end. And what is a platinum glove on today's episode of Locked on Guardians? You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show today. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com to get started today. I want to take a moment, and thank you for making On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And to thank all of our everydayers, I know I'm way behind on YouTube comments. Uh, the next time we have a dual show, I will be diving into those to catch up. So let's start with the rookie of the year. I don't think it's much of a surprise. Uh, the last time I did one of these solo shows and they announced to the final three where I'm like, well, Tanner's gonna be second. So what does this mean? What is the overall effect of Tanner Bybee in second place for the rookie of the year? Well, it means that instead of having seven years of team control, the guardians only have six because he gets full credit for this year. So the fact he came up late and remember the reason he came up late wasn't service time manipulation. Uh, it was the fact that they had injuries he was down for you know a pretty good reason he just didn't have a lot of reps like that was just the truth of the matter here uh, after being drafted in 2021 to get to the big leagues in 2023 that's, that's that's mind-blowingly fast so he's down there he comes up and he pitches great for this team he's their ace for the year and now instead of having 7 years of control they have 6 so that's that's a pretty big deal there um, it will also push up he'll probably get a bigger part of that pool of money that the mlb teams pay into to reward players who perform well uh like how steven kwan you know someone who benefited from that extra pool a year ago it it uh has the added benefit of players like kwan and bybee who did not get bigger bonuses getting a little more wiggle room and maybe giving them the ability to not have to jump into contracts as quickly and let's discuss that so bybee is someone the guardian should talk to about contracts i don't think they're going to go too far down that road now clip save when he signs an extension and i look like a moron that's fine but the reason i think that they won't get too far down the line is because i think you know a year ago we saw kind of the advanced stats pointing out that kwan and oscar gonzalez and andres jimenez and a lot of players were maybe a little bit luckier than they were good that there was some regression in there i really like tanner by again it was the first person to rank him number one in the Cleveland Guardian system. I'm not saying this to discount him. I'm not saying this to drive down value. I'm not saying this for any other reason other than it exists out there. And we know the Guardians are big into the whole picture of data. Um, Matt Collier, Relocity, he has the Fabio system. And this is all stats. This is not scouting. This is when you go to the one extreme of it. And I don't always understand all of Fabio. But the reason his system, the reason Steamer uh, I know Justin talked about the hitters for fan graphs, steamer steamers lower on Bybee. And the reason a lot of these advanced numbers are is there was a degree of luck. He did not give up a lot of extra base hits based on the data compared to what most pitchers do who have a higher line drive rate. Line drives are bad. Like that is the most successful thing uh, in baseball. Looking at the advanced data, one could argue that that Logan Allen should have had a stronger year than Tanner Bybee, just based on some of that hit hit uh, you know, battle ball data, line drive data things like that like in terms of like line drive avoidance tanner bybee was i'm sorry no logan allen was worse than this he was 27th bybee was 36 100 being good uh the only thing bybee really stood out when you look at all the data things like his control numbers his k rate his batter ball profile uh was his pool avoidance so which is big because we know that uh pooling is also the most successful thing for any header to do is to pull the ball So he makes it hard for hitters to pull, which can reflect some of these numbers being lower. But advanced numbers show that basically at his line drive rate, there should have been significantly more extra bases than there were. And that that is a degree of that luck and that he is a player where, again, that's why some, uh, you know, Matt Collier in his system is lower on Bybee. has him like fourth or fifth best pitcher, uh, rookie pitcher in baseball a year ago. Uh, it's why Steamer has him for regression. So what do you know the Cleveland Guardians don't do? They don't buy high, right? So if they're looking at this advanced data and is the same data they believe in, and again, I'm not saying this is my view, but I'm explaining what I think we see with this front office in general is, and I'm also not saying they won't ever get an expansion. Well, they won't get an expansion done with Bieber, but they won't get an extension uh, this year. I mean, maybe next year, but I don't think they're going to look for this year. I think they're not going to look to buy high if they feel like this is peak. Now, they did talk with like Stephen Kwan a year ago. We know they did talk, um, at least with him, who was a player who was high. They talked with Andres Jimenez a year ago. And let's be honest, though, when you look at their recent extensions, Jose was Jose. That's just, that's an entirely different situation. Straw, Classe, and Jimenez, two out of the three, they probably regret right now. And all three of them were players who had signs that they were, you might be getting a deal, but you might also be buying at peak. And, Class A, I think you're fine with again. It was it was a disappointing year. I mean, his number of of uh, blown saves was um, he had more blown saves over the last two years than Chris Perez had in his time here. I don't know how that happens, but that's that's the truth of it, in spite of how good he is. But the straw one, I mean the straw extension looks terrible now. Um, Jimenez is a lot of money if he doesn't at least be a plus bat. It's great. We'll talk about the platinum glove in segment three and make sure you tune in for that. But in terms of figuring everything out with him, uh He's a player where the advanced numbers say he's probably going to get hit a little bit harder next year. Much like when we looked at those three Cleveland hitters, like, okay, so contact rate with Gonzalez, um, bat pip rates with Jimenez and Quan. And all of those guys had about a 20 point drop in their production. Now I'm not to say that, that Bybee is going to be 20% worse. I know this should be a celebration because he finished second in the rookie of the year and had the basically the best season since Herb score for a Cleveland guardians rookie, but he was also like a like a top 15 pitcher in baseball. I might be wrong in that, but it feels like he was a top 15 guy. So this is saying he might move back to closer to 30, which is still excellent. Still room for this guy to grow. I mean, he's only recently added velocity. Uh, He's still kind of figuring out his pitches. He is still far from a finished product. Uh, Again, I put him number one in the system before anyone, I believe in him as a player, just me pointing out what we have seen with the guardians how they kind of look at data and how they recently got burned with similar profiles. I, when I said, I'm going to talk about on the show, why I think an extension doesn't happen. I got a lot of people being like, Oh, the guardians are cheap. Uh, they've missed their opportunity. It's not about that. <laughs> there is absolute world because again, Tanner is, you know, he was draft eligible in 2020. He is a, a player who, yeah, he can wait and kind of play it all out and see where it goes from hit for him from here. Um, I don't know if they've updated this over at baseball reference, but, is I don't think it is updated because they no longer say contract status or when he'll hit free agency. You know, he is someone who is, you know, he's going to be 25 in March and they've got, I believe, six years of control instead of five, instead of seven, or is it that they get six total? So it's, either way they have him through age 30, like he's still going to be amenable to a contract extension. I think Cleveland may not want to rush that. That is just my Take on it based on this past year, and you know, he only got two hundred and sixty thousand. Now, yes, that's a ton of money. That takes me what five years of teaching without spending any a dime uh, to 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 surpass that, uh, or taxes. Just to surpass what he got, he got a lot of money. But you know, you can always when you are a pitcher, um, how much you want to bet on yourself? How much do you want to bet on um, you know potential money available to you and what can occur? So I think this offseason, Cleveland probably waits. I think they take a second back, see how it continues to evolve, um, look at some of that data and then see what happens. And that that's just my take. Again, I'm all for giving him the ex- the extension. I think he is going to be this team's best pitcher, likely within the next year or two. I still think healthy Tristan McKenzie might eclipse him based on what we saw two years ago. Don't forget how good McKenzie was pre-injury. We'll have to see and there's always a world where Daniel Spino has no more health issues hopefully he's not Adam Miller and becomes, you know, a top five pitcher in baseball. So there's, you know, some weird worlds with this, but it's still like, Bybee is very good. Bybee should be here for a long time. Hopefully they will, you know, sit down and figure it out, but I don't think they will. And that, that's why don't get mad at me. I'm explaining the logic, not what my, my heart sings. My heart as my daughter would say who sings makes my heart sing. My heart would sing if they got an extension done to keep him here for a long time. I just think that that may not be their approach. We've got so much more to talk about. We got to talk about, I'm going to tell you coming up next, the five players I would take off this roster and the five players who are Rule 5 eligible, I would add, because tomorrow is the deadline. So tune in for that on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As I said at the top, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, props, over-unders, and more I know they're focused on the NFL. I don't do much with the NFL. I would be really intrigued right now with Stanley Cup odds. That's probably my number two sport in terms of my reading and following. Edmonton at plus 1,300. I know they just fired their coach. I know they're an absolute mess, but at the end of the day, they have a GM who is under the gun, who knows his job is on the line. He is going to trade for a goalie at some point. They've got Connor McDavid. I mean, enough said, right? Like That is, the to me, the the under-the-radar bet here because they're a team that we know is going to get better. We are a te- we team with elite talent right now. You get to buy low and that makes them a perfect candidate. Now I, I don't have a good money line one, but I'm saying check out Edmonton when it comes to things over at our fans at FanDuel. So visit fanduelcom slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Uh, make sure to check out Sirius XM for all of your Smacking the cord over here for watching on YouTube. Distracted me. Sorry. ADD moment. Um, <clears throat> and I have ADD. So that's why I say that. That's not me just being blasé. That's just the truth. Uh, for all of your hot stove and information, can we talk about a ridiculous rumor before I talk about roster locks and names to watch and all that fun jive? John Morosi saying uh, Otani is intrigued with the Braves. He might be but do we trust john morosi anymore this is our comment below do you actually trust any words out of his mouth since he has conservatively tried to trade jose 1 million times since the end of the season is is there anything more than clickbait with him I, I just like i you know i respect that he's bilingual he was he was a top 3 guy for me in baseball for a lot of times but now it just feels like it's all clickbait and i find it really annoying it's like okay yeah let's throw at the braves let's throw him the rangers next week let's keep the revolving door going to keep attention rant done Let me know what your thoughts are below in the comments rule five. So I thought I'd have some fun with this tomorrow. The deadline is 6 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Central. That's where I am located. Rosters lock. And it is a fascinating year. It's not necessarily going to be a great, (coughs) excuse me, rule five draft, but there are some names to know. Uh, Just were talking the other day. Austin Shenton with Tampa is one of my favorite guys. Um, Former Guardian's draft pick out of high school. I thought for sure they're gonna take him. He's a guy who had a he was supposed to go to the university of Washington, ended up going to Florida International. Uh and you know, he had a fantastic cape and then completely fell apart that year in his draft year. And he mostly played third base. And I don't know if he is uh you know going to be anything more than a DH, but you know, there's a world where he can maybe be a a first baseman and you yeah, have Florida internationals. I thought that's where Logan Allen went as well. So I believe there would have been some overlap with them there, but the guy hit, I mean, he had some absolutely ridiculous numbers. Uh, there's some really heartwarming stories about him and his brother who um, has, has special needs that it, the athletic had a great story on it. And Austin Shenton, like for Cleveland's inevitable trade, uh, I wouldn't mind adding Shenton. I know, I know. Manzardo probably can only play first base Shenton probably can only play first base. You can only do so many of these guys all over. I and mean, hit the ball hard and just dominated things. And Tampa's got so many hitters. They've got no spot really for this kid to even get an opportunity. They traded Manzardo because, you know, where was he going to go with Diaz settled in and all of their million and a half bats. Aren't we in a situation where if you're Cleveland, you could afford to put a Shenton? I'm not putting Naylor out there again because of the injury risk, it's too high, but a Shenton or a Manzardo in left field, especially because we know as much as we want him to move on from straw, they're, <coughs> sorry. So we know they're probably, you're probably still going to have Miles Straw. Like, let's just be honest. And, and again, fine with him as a 26 man. I think he's probably going to start again next year. Like as much as we don't want that to be the case, I, I think it's going to be the case. But if you got Quan and you got Straw, like doesn't that open up left field to be just a black hole defensively? Like, can't we put just someone who is a power hitter out there and move on? So that's enough about that. Um, For those who don't remember a year ago, the day of the Rule 5, it took a while for everything to come out, but Cleveland traded Carlos Vargas for Ross Carver to open up spots. They traded Nolan Jones for Juan Brito. Listen, we'll wait and see how that works out. Nolan Jones had a 400 bat pip. He is going to regress. Juan Brito is a top five prospect. They could still win that trade. I don't love it, but they could still end up winning that trade. So they've been active. Tobias Myers for junior Camanero. Yep. That, that was, that was one of these days. So they are going to do something tomorrow and we will have you covered here. We will talk about all the additions, everything that happens. You can guarantee just now I will be going deeper than anyone else on that. But in honor of tomorrow being that deadline where everything locks in and there's going to be movement, I thought I'd pick who are the five guys on roster that I would most likely re- remove. And if I had to add, Five, I don't think all five are guys you necessarily need to add. Who are my top five players to add? Because we all like top five lists, right? So I think the easy two to start with is relief with Michael Kelly and 99. Uh, Hey, it gives you about two more million to spend when you take 99 off the roster. Michael Kelly just feels like the 40th guy. Uh, Alfonso Rivas is also very easy for me to remove from the roster. So that gives it an easy three. And after that, it came down to... Uh, John Kenzie Noel, Oscar Gonzalez, Jose Tena. And that's, that's really the list for me. Uh, So I got to cut two more. So Oscar Gonzalez is who I'd remove fourth because Jonathan Rodriguez is Oscar Gonzalez. Like there's, you're getting the very, very similar skill set. And I think fifth, I mean, at this point in time, this is going to, this is going to catch me some trouble, but I, John Kenzie Noel is the guy I'm taking off. He struggled to a 220 batting average. Um, and he's, you know, the last two years have been pretty brutal for him in the system as he'd faced, um, yeah, he he hit for power in a park that is known for its power. I'd be curious to see how it was spread out across different parks. Yes. He had a very low bat hip, but that's not always, um, a positive sign of like more is coming. I think looking at him and looking where he is, he is a guy that is probably going to pass through. And I know that's that's a minority thinking on this, but I, I just I don't see a future role for a first base only player who's going to struggle to make contact. Um, so th- those are the five I would consider removing. Now, if you're adding five guys, Daniel Spino is the easy place to start. Number two, Kate Smith. Hey, they're probably going to lose him if they don't take him. He's the bigger reliever this year. So that's pretty easy. Third, I think, is Diane Freas. I feel like he is an easy guy to stash because he runs pretty well for being you know kind of a, a smaller guy who's a little bit. You know, it, He would get the bad body label, you know, historically, but he runs well. He's a solid defender. He can, in a pinch, handle short. He can definitely um, handle third and second and has the arm and good athleticism. I think there's traits there that make him easy to stash. Fourth, I think Ethan Hankins, um, who knows what he is. He might be roster fodder, uh, but he does have a live arm. He has had some really good data with that arm. I would rather add him than risk losing him right now. And I think fifth is Jose Devers or Wilfredo Antunez. For now, I go Devers because he played at a higher level. And I mean, no hitter was hotter in this system over the last two months of the season than Jose Devers. So I'd rather take him and what he showed at the end of the year, take that risk on him over Antunez, who was just, you know, an A ball. I guess he ended the year in high A, but we don't have as much data with him. So that's, that's my personal five. Those are the players that I'm looking to protect. You know, those six are really the names. No, it's not a big crunch here. Unless someone's going to go and grab like Nick, Nick, Andrew Miziazik, who we talked about a year ago, who are hurt because they might be easier to pass through. um, If you liked that. I mean, there's a point in time where everything I say about, um, you know, Franco Alamon, I said about Mikulachek. Like he was a borderline top 10 prospect, a guy who we thought was on a straight line to the big leagues. Had a bad year at AAA, got hurt, and now he's you know, he, he's off track. But if you liked him two years ago a ton, maybe this is the year you gamble. Maybe this is the year you're like, we really liked him at one point in time. Let's see what happens after he gets healthy because it's easier to stash him because he's hurt. And you don't know when he is going to debut or come back. So, you know, he is interesting in that regard. I don't think anyone's going to take Aaron Bracho, even though... Justin and I have had a lot of debates about exactly like who is Aaron Brajo. Was this a rebound year? How much do you believe in the offensive profile? And then you, I guess you talked about you Valdez just cause he's the, well, there's two high picks, right? Top two round picks top. Yeah. Two of them who aren't going to get protected. Valdez started the year. Like I was like, okay, maybe this is going to work out. He was always like extreme glove first guy. Uh, the rest of the year just didn't go with him. And I, I don't see any way he gets taken. He's, he's a great defender. But I don't know if the bat's enough to be even a utility guy. The other one is, is Tanner Burns. And Tanner Burns is a, I'm going to say the word wrong. I can already tell. I can't say a lit, lip, no, litness test. I, I know I still didn't get it right. I have some words I just can't say. But he is that pH test, right? Like if someone you're following has him ranked in the top 30, they have not paid attention to the system. He gets a bump because he was a first round pick. Now ignore the fact that he was the lowest paid first round pick in 2020. 1.6 million. Uh, he was a, you know, the the low end of things, he had almost the same bonus as P.D. Halpin, uh, who was taken in the third round. He was treated, he was given the bonus of a late second round pick. That is where the valuation was. And why was he given that? So they could use the Carson Tucker money and the PD Halpin or and the uh, Tanner Burns money bur- the extra wiggle they had there. That's how they got halpin and that's how they got Milan Tolentino. Whether or not those two end up working out, I don't know. I I I don't think either. Are going to be like top twenty five guys for me uh, in this system. So, and then they trade for Isaiah Green, who we're not going to discuss. Who was part of the uh, the Lindor trade? Who who's you know was a high second rounder? We got less than helping. So they had a lot of guys from from this class. But I guess that's the thing. Isaiah Green, they don't have to add. But Tanner Burns gets ranked in a lot of places. By the end of the year, he was a reliever in this system. So I also want to put that out there and just caution: like you need to know about that. Like if he is getting ranked high places, then they're just not paying attention. Like that's a list. Maybe you want to move on or ignore because he is there because he was a first round pick. Now he wasn't really a first, he was a first round pick in, in quote unquote name, but he was a competitive balance pick, which puts him after the first round. He was the 36 pick in the draft, which if you're just doing like top 30 picks around two, he would have been or round one. He was competitive balance picks. You know, they're labeled as, as first rounders, but it, it, he wasn't a top 30 guy. And, Again, of those first round picks that year, uh, he had the lowest bonus uh, brothers. You know, there was 37. I uh, won't make the clerks reference there, but tip of my cap and he got 1.6 million. The next lowest was Drew Romo at 2, uh, 2 million, two million nine hundred five thousand. So essentially half a million. Actually, Justin Lane got 2 million. I don't know why this didn't put this correctly. Let me recheck this as I feel like that. Okay, I'm sorry. Alika Williams got... Um, yeah, because I knew that Carson Tucker got two million as well. So Alika Williams got 1.85. That's still 250 thousand more. Like Carson Tucker would have had the I think I looked this up it was like the 12th highest bonus in round two. Carson Tucker, whew, Tanner Burns. So he, a lot of his valuation is based off. Listen at Auburn, he was great, and then he ran out of gas, and then he just he hasn't. He I've never seen him look as good as he looked in college since they drafted him. This seems to be one of those rare cases where. You know, Logan Allen's worked out, so maybe it's just their not their second round pick, but their second pick that kind of doesn't go as great. I mean, Tommy Mace from 2021, we barely talked about on the show. You know, it's just for whatever reason, you, you throw a lot of darts. Some work, some don't work. Um, and Tommy Mace was the highest paid of the three Florida starters, and he is now firmly third ranked amongst them so just going back into this, I, yeah, Tanner Burns is is that test. Like anyone who's talking about adding him, I mean, that would, I would be floored if they added him. I just don't see he's, he's not in the way they valued him in the way they paid him in where he was taken a pick 36 out of 37 picks in that round. He wasn't really a first rounder. So he has that inflation and we've seen that. And I've talked about that, how certain teams knowingly kind of inflate values that way, uh, Houston, but it didn't work out for Cleveland and not say that Burns can't turn around, but yeah, that that's a player that we'll get asked about that. Yeah. That you can just kind of sit back and say, Oh yeah, this person doesn't know the system super well. We're going to come back. I'm going to explain the platinum glove and we're going to talk the AFL on today's episode of locked on guardians. I want to thank you all back. Remind you to check out, a uh, series XM for all things you need baseball, just type baseball in. type guardian. See what pops up. You never know what you're going to find. So platinum glove, let's start there just so I don't run out of time. Platinum glove is fan voted, but it's taking advanced statistics of all the gold gloves and saying, who's the best defender. I believe Francisco Lindor was the last Cleveland player to get a platinum glove. Um, there are guys like Yadi Molina and Nolan Arenado who have won the award many times. Uh, it is fan voted. <laughs> it is so super important that at nearly midnight Eastern time uh, is when it was announced. It is interesting. If Menes was not and long-term signed, I'm sure it'd be something that'd come up in the arbitration process. Cause it is another award, but yeah, it's just saying like who is the best defender in each league overall, like advanced stats have taken these numbers and bullet them down position by position to give you kind of a, you know, we talked about WRC plus what is the weighted value irregardless of position and then they have fans vote and Jimenez won. And he is a excellent, excellent defender. And that is why we think maybe he should play short next year. Again, let me know what you think below AFL. Uh, so the AFL has has wrapped up. Kyle Manzardo had six home runs in the regular season, which I talked about, and they hit another two in the postseason. So for eight total home runs in the AFL, it was a slow start uh, for Chase the Lotter. But I mean, he turned it on. Dude ended up being quite productive uh, overall in, in the AFL for a guy who kind of started out slow and then came back. I think he might've ended up with a higher OPS than Manzardo in the end. And they're both very productive. Now Cleveland didn't have anyone win any awards. There was no, like I think Jose Tena once was the MVP or the pitter of the year or something like that. That didn't happen. Um, They they just didn't have the players up there quite as high when it came to some of the average and OPS stats. Uh, Central Michigan, you know, and get some action. Uh, Jacob Marksy, who was a 2022 pick of the Padres. And one of those guys that I feel like Cleveland should, you know, if San Diego wants pitching, like Marksy and Grand Polly are are just names I'll keep bringing up for, you don't have to add them to your 40 man, but are interesting outfielders. But in spite of what I'm saying, I think that the lotter and Manzardo showed very well, performed very well. It is a hitter league. It is a hitter friendly league. Manzardo was second in league behind Mark Z tied um, with one other player for the second most extra base hits. He was hitting doubles, he was hitting home runs, and he was just a, a machine. He was he was fantastic. And Delator started slow and then really turned it on late. And it's a great showing. But I've talked about before, it wasn't just them. Ryan Webb led the league in strikeouts. Now, I've been a big Dylan Smith guy. He finished second in the league. I'm writing him up over at Prospects Live. like Tim back to his Alabama days. And, uh, you know, Ryan Webb was fourth in innings pitched. He had a lot of positive stats. He was a little more walk-prone before a guy who was hurt, who was coming back. Uh, it's nice to see. And again, in some respects, his performance is more impressive than the two hitters because it is a hitter haven. This is a situation where we're getting to see Ryan Webb perform. And, and Manzardo's already in AAA, right? Like, he is already up there. DeLauder is in high A, I believe, to end the year. And Webb was hurt most of the year and then pitched in high A. He was part of that 2021 draft class. He's a little bit behind where the other pitchers were because of health. So we get that opportunity to kind of see how he's performed and what he did. And some of the relievers had decent showings. I don't think anything going to lead to someone being rostered, but definitely things to check out uh, when it comes to just the way that uh, players performed out there. Because, again, the Arizona Fall League, for those who missed my earlier spiel, when we started talking about it, it is an offensive-heavy league. And the best of the best pitching prospects don't often get out there. There were some really good ones this year. But what we see is a lot of players, again, Jose Tana hit like 400 there uh, when he was in high A the year they needed to roster him. Uh, some young hitters can really perform well. It is a hitter haven. So I am more interested in seeing Kyle Manzardo like, just hit the ball extremely hard because that is what he was focused on this year. That's why he had some number regression earlier in the year. Cause the focus wasn't on contact. It was on exit velocities and hitting the ball harder and showing that power that is there. And then for Webb, because it is such a hitter friendly situation to see that pitcher come in and just miss a ton of bats. Cause he is facing more advanced hitters for the most part. That is really positive to see as well. So those three really stood out again, no hardware for Cleveland, But I think those are all really important decisions, uh, really important performances and and players to kind of keep your eye on. Um, And then again, tomorrow you want to pay attention, make sure you're tuning into lockdown guardians because Cleveland's going to make a trade. I can guarantee it. We haven't had one of these deadlines for the, you know, locking in your roster for the rule five draft. It's been a few years that there hasn't been a trade. I feel like we've had a trade at least last three years in a row. I could be wrong. Beaver dog. Uh, let me know one of our everydayers who's very good with the, the minutia that I miss out on. Uh, I will let, let everyone else know tomorrow when he corrects me. But they make deals on roster lock day, so 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. Though we didn't find out about, I believe the Nolan Jones trade until almost seven. So information can be slow to come across, but we know Espino's getting added. At least I think Cade Smith as well. That may just be it, which means two guys are coming off. So there's going to be moves. Could be trades, could just be releases, but we typically see some kind of trade happen. I would not be shocked if they went out and made a trade for, again, someone like Austin Shenton, who they have known, who had great Cape data, 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 and who could be someone who could potentially help them in a year who might be blocked. And they love making these trades with Tampa that blow up in their face. Uh, so we'll see, maybe Manzardo helps even it out. And I really do like Shenton, so I don't want to seem negative there, but they're gonna do something and no one's gonna have you covered by unlocked lockdown guardians. So tune in Justin way we'll back tomorrow. And tomorrow's episode is all about rule five. What's being locked in, what the roster is looking like, why they did what they did and getting to know potentially some new prospects or players in the cleveland guardians organization thank you all for rating and reviewing downloading it helps being an everyday listener part of the lockdown guardians team and as i always say go go guardians go